Father, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your love and your grace in our lives. Just thank you for who you are, Lord, above and beyond all that you give to us, just because you are worthy of praise and honor this morning. Lord, I just thank you for these guys who got up early to join us and uh, open the scriptures and just pray that your spirit would lead in God and direct us, Lord, that you would convict us, that you would challenge us, and that you would help us to sharpen one another as we continue to press into you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, um, so last week, Caleb kind of kicked it off and, and went for, you know, why were we created? And we, we spent some time discussing why did God create man? And, and what do you think that was? Why do you think that was? And so uh, I thought that it'd be fun to continue along those lines, kind of bootstrap um, theology, if you will, and say, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? And so I want you to think about that for a minute, because what we're going to do is we're going we're to dig into that topic, and I'm going to ask you to share Scripture. As you know, you don't have to back everything up by Scripture, but obviously our opinion doesn't matter near as much as what God's Word says about it. And so uh, I'd like us to focus on that. And I've got a ton of Scripture out here that, that we can refer back to, but there's a lot more that, that you guys may want to re reference as well. So if you have your Bibles or your, your phone Bibles, Make sure that it's handy and we'll be jumping around. But first, let's just start with that question. What is a Christian and how would you describe it, right? How would you define one? What, is, what does that mean? Follower of Christ. Okay, which means what? Good. Yeah. Okay. Through Jesus that we have eternal life. Okay. Good. What else? Okay, so you believe that Jesus was Lord, they died for our sins, and then you do what he did. Okay, good. What else? Other thoughts? Somebody asked you, what does it mean to be a Christian? Thank you, Mr. Dictionary. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's on the internet, right? It's got to be right. Resurrection, yep. Definitely set to the part. Sure. Eric, did you have something? Okay. Good. Yep. Accept, believe baptized, Holy Spirit, that's good. What, what scriptures come to mind as we're thinking about this? Just off the top of your head, what, I mean, John 3.16, all right, so God so loved the world, okay, good. 
Okay, so the, you went the Old Testament on Deuteronomy 6, and then also the two greatest commands, right? Lord God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, good. Okay. Very good. Okay. Absolutely. There you go. John 14, 6. Very good. Sir? Very true. Very true. So, so talk me through that a little bit. So if you didn't hear, he said that the name Christian didn't come from Christians. It came from the non-believers. So why do you think non-believers were calling these folks Christian back in the first century? Derision. Derision? Okay, yeah, yeah. At first it was it was not a positive term, right? <laughs> it was it was a negative term. But why do you think why do you think outsiders, right, non-believers, what what did they see, what did they hear where they would say, that's a Christian? It can be, absolutely, yep. That's good. So, it, it, basically, their lives, to some degree, must have mirrored that of Christ, right? They were, like you said, little Christ. I mean, they were, what they were doing, what they were saying, how they were meeting, that, that emulated what, what Christ did when he was here, and so they were associating those people's actions, thoughts, and words with what they saw in Christ. Now, along with what, what Pastor just said is that uh, the word Christian only appears in Scripture three times. Do you know that? Let's look at them real quick. Someone look at Acts eleven twenty six. Someone look up Acts twenty six twenty eight, and someone look up First Peter four sixteen. Who's got Acts 11? Anybody there yet? 26. Yes, sir. Okay, so we see that's when they were first called Christians, when they were together in Antioch. Okay, so we kind of see where that term came from and where they started. Who's got Acts 26, 28? Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time, you'll persuade me to become a Christian. Okay, so here's Paul witnessing to Agrippa, right? And King Agrippa said, you're, you think just in this conversation you're going to make me a Christian? So he's already identifying, he's, he, he understands what a Christian is and who uh, Paul is trying to, to emulate. And they said, you're, you think you're going to do that with me in this conversation? And then who's got 1 Peter 4.16? However, if you suffer as a Christian, 
Okay, so identifying in the life of Christ, which we know includes suffering, right? Uh, let him not be ashamed, let him glorify God. So those are the only three references that we see to that word Christian, right? So, you know, to read the Bible, to attend church, to avoid the big sins, is, is that really the life that Christ emulated, that he, he came and lived and died and suffered so that we might have life? I mean, it, what is, when we're talking about what it means to be a Christian, I think... Um, Sometimes we do ourselves a disservice because you're right. We, we mentioned this before. That term Christian means a whole lot of things to a whole lot of people, right? Does that mean I go to church twice a year or even once a year uh, on these major holidays when most of the society still does? Does it mean every once in a while I pray or I go outside and feel at peace? I mean, there, there's a whole lot of things. And then there's different sects that still align themselves with Christianity, even though they don't hold to Scripture, right? We talked about that, too. So that term uh, gets, a little, gets a little murky as we go through there. So probably a better description um, would be disciple, right? We saw that in Acts 11. It said that in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Because we're looking at that term... It, it means that our behavior, our activity, and our speech should be like Christ Jesus. So if we're, if we're trying to define a disciple, think about what you know about disciples. What, what's a disciple? Maybe we look at disciple, that word was used 270 times in Scripture. So Christian was three times, a disciple is 270 times. So we should be, have a, be able to get to a better picture of what a disciple is thinking about how that word is, is replicated in Scripture. So what is a disciple? What do you know about disciples? Followers? Okay. Absolutely. So if, if you're a disciple, you're going to do what Jesus said to do, right? That's pretty simple and straightforward. Good. Absolutely. What else? There's no right or wrong answer. I'm just trying to, let's, what do you know about scripture and what do you know about disciples? Sir? That's very true. Yep. Okay, they were called and chosen, yes. When you think about it, someone who adheres to a, their teaching, right, it's a follower or a learner, uh, taking up the ways of someone else, someone who learns to live like him. So it, it, it's all about replicating, to your point, it, it could be anything, but in this case, Jesus. If we're followers, if we're disciples of Jesus, our lives should emulate that of Jesus. Right? I mean, that's what a disciple should be. So it's less about some of the things, the metrics that we might use today in terms of I went to church today or I try not to do bad things. So, you know, sometimes those are things that we, we kind of fall back on. And it should be more about who Jesus is, what did he do, what did he say. So when we go about it from that 
um, perspective, throw out some things. What do you know about Jesus? What do you know about his life, his character, his priorities, what he instructed his disciples to do? Y'all heard of Jesus? Okay, just want to make sure. Go ahead. Okay, he became sin for our sake. That's good. Yep, so he was sinless. Okay. What? Controversial? Sure. Yep, he didn't come and just fit in, right? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. To the healthy, to the sick. That's very good. Yep. So his priorities were maybe a little bit different than what we'd think about. Sure. Fishers of men and go spread the gospel. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Proclaim the coming of the kingdom. Absolutely. What else? Ah, interesting. Take up your cross and follow me. So there may be an element of uh, suffering or burden or uh, something that may not be convenient. (laughs) That's true. No, we like comfortable Christianity. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm, Love each other the way that I have loved you, John 13. We're going to come back to that. That's a great scripture. But uh, absolutely, that's, that's a tough one to try and live out. Good. What else? And, and, uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to start diving into some of these, but I just, I just want to know, what, when you think of Jesus, what comes to mind? Right? If our lives are following him, supposed to emulate him, and this is tough, this is convicting, right? As we're saying things, I feel the Holy Spirit convicting me. He said, well, you sure don't look a whole lot like that, or you don't do that, or what's... So this is, this is not all of us. This is, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. Yeah? Absolutely. The things that I do, you should do also. Right? That's, that's the definition of a disciple. Derek, do you raise your hand, or are you just itching over here? Okay. Yep. Very good. Yep. Absolutely. So he died the death for us so that we didn't have to. Okay. Grace instead of the law. Sure. Anything else stand out? So a couple things that <clears throat> that I made note of, and this is no particular order, and this is surely not exhaustive, right? So just skimming on some of these topics. If we're a disciple and we're reflecting, well, we're emulating what God, what Jesus did while he was here, and who, what he said, what he instructed us to do, then we should be reflecting that glory to everybody else, right? So what, what we do, what we say, what we spend time on should be similar in a similar manner and fashion as Jesus. And so that's one of the, the first signs of a disciple is that we are reflecting, we have 
uh, taking it in, and now we're, we're emulating that which Jesus did. And so when I think about uh, the fruits of the Spirit, right, from Galatians 5, if you recall, um, the, that's, that's the sign that the Holy Spirit is, is uh, dwelling within us. And it says that this, these are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So what we have inside of us should make us, conform us to Christ's image. And so I was thinking, here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? It said, against things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And so when you think about those nine fruit of the Spirit, you know, it's a good place to start. How do those, what do those look like in your life? We skim right over that and say, oh yeah, that's, but think about each one individually. Love. How do you love people? Right? As Mayan said, we're supposed to love people as Christ loved us. Well, what did Christ, how did he love us? <laughs> Wholeheartedly, fully dedicated, enough to die on a cross for our sin, not for his. Unconditionally. While we were still sinners, right, Christ died for us. Okay, check that first one off. I mean, <laughs> that's a tough one to get by. Uh, love, joy. Joy is that joy that comes from your relationship with the Lord that's not affected by the things that happen around you, right? There's a lot of bad stuff that happens all around us. This has been a tough week for me personally just because I have a lot of friends that are, that are suffering, right? We had a young man who's a 16-year-old. Who's, he went to school with my boys. He was riding between two, my younger two, and he drowned uh, swimming across a, a lake this last week, and his, his dad buried him yesterday. Um, the dad lost his wife two and a half years ago to cancer, right? And now his 16-year-old drowned. And, and he's standing there sharing the gospel. The dad is. At the, at, when he is hurting so bad... Last week, when he's trying to deal with the unexpected grief of his son dying, and he's still reeling from his, his wife passed away, he called the three boys and their families that were with his son and said, you can't carry this the rest of your life. It's not your fault. God still loves you. He's got big plans for you. I mean, you want to talk about tough. Got another friend that, uh, that when we lived in Ohio, their son, their oldest son was born on the same day as, as our oldest son, and they got, we got to be good friends. He's been fighting um, bone cancer, had a tumor that big taken out of his thigh um, and, and part of his femur, but it's back. It's in his leg, it's in his lungs. They had to amputate, or they're going to here in a, in a week, they're going to amputate his right leg up through the hip, so he can't do a prosthetic. They've got to go all the way up. Um, and then this last week, the mom got diagnosed with thyroid cancer. You know, I just, people are dealing with tough stuff. How do, you, how do you talk about how God is good in that? He is. And fortunately, they're believers, and they're trusting in the Lord during tough times, and, and so is, are the hills. But I'm saying that that joy, you know, it, it's easy to be joyful when everything's going fine, right? But how about when, when life happens, right? The rain falls on the just and unjust. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you have some sort of protection from anything bad going on. We live in a sinful world, and that sin affects all of us. Whether we cause it ourselves, someone else causes it, or just because we live in a broken world that doesn't operate the way that God intended. So love and joy. How about peace? 
How peaceful do you feel when you watch the 6 o'clock news, 10 o'clock news? Yeah, I know, not so much, right? You think, where's our world going? Patience. You know, we joke about, you know, how, what your patience look like when you're driving on the highway. Uh, kindness. How, how, how kind are we when, to others who aren't kind to us? Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. We're not supposed to have one. We're supposed to have all. What about service? Jesus was a servant, right? So he came to earth not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom to many. You know, he modeled that in the upper room in John 13, where he said that, you know, here's, here's what I'm doing. I've washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet, for I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. How well do we serve? You know, we, in our day and age, in our affluent society, we expect people to serve us. Right? It's kind of an entitlement. It's, we make decent money, so we should get services for what we pay for. Right? That's not how Jesus came and lived. And specifically to the body of Christ. And so, go in mind where you were at uh, a minute ago, and, and that's true community, Jesus had a, a very special place or a regard for Christians and their love for one another, right? So, John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's amazing, right? Jesus is saying that people will recognize you as Christians. It'll be a witness to the world by the love you have for one another. That's convicting. What, what do you, let, let, let's, let's chase that rabbit real quick. What would it look like if we loved each other that way? If you loved other believers? What? Yeah. What else? Don't sit on it, share it. Okay. Don't sit on it, share it. Yeah. I mean, do you think it, do you even think that's possible? I'm just wondering. I mean, do you think we can love each other the way Christ loved us? I see heads going all around. Some yes, some no. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and so that, that, that's two different ways, right? And you're exactly right. We're, we're called to love everybody, right? In this passage, we're, we're called to love one another. So this is talking within the body of believers. What does that look like? That, it, it's supernatural, right? And there's no way we could do it of our own accord. But I also don't think Christ says that if it's not possible, right? That's, that's a command from Christ, a new command I give to you. 
Sure. Share burdens and problems, absolutely. But I, I take it a step further, too, is, is not just, it's not a passive love, right, that you're waiting to be invited in. Jesus actively pursued us, right? Right. Yeah. We go to Acts 2, right? We see that first century church, and we see that they were constantly meeting together, and they had all things in common. People didn't have need because they did life together, right? That's true community. Supporting one another, absolutely. Yep. Right. No, that's a great point. And that's, that is point of, of life group is really getting into that close community to, to be able to do life together. Absolutely. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting when it says that, that by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. So it's God's design that his people would love each other so intensely, so sacrificially, that it is our primary witness to the world. And this is an indictment on all churches around here, you know, Pastor, you can speak to, to Africa better, but uh, how many churches do you know that are known for that? I know a lot of phenomenal churches. They do a lot of great things. They have great preaching. They have great ministries. Do you, have, do you know of any church that you say, man, the way that they love each other is different than anything I've ever seen anywhere else? Conway Creek. <laughs> I think we try, but I, I, it's, it's interesting. It's tough, right? To say that we love each other the way that Christ loved us. That's a challenge. In a good way, right? There's 59 references in the New Testament to one another. Right? If you don't think that that's after God's heart, right? That, that's exactly where he's at. So let's do this. Let's open up to... and I've got to keep going quick. Y'all need to listen faster. Uh, Matthew 25. I'm going to be in verses 31 through like 46. It's the parable of the sheep and goats. And I think it, there's a couple things that we can break out here, which is why I'm going to focus on this passage real quickly. I'll go ahead and read it as you're turning to it. It says, uh, When the Son of Man comes in His glory... And all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, 
as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will answer me, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did not do to the least of these, you did not do to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous is your eternal life. What, what, what stands out to you in this parable? What, you're reading it. What, what sticks out? What stands out? What do you remember? What? Okay. Interesting. Yep. So if you're, and specifically, there's a lot of places where it says that we should help the poor and needy and stuff. But this, it says that um, in verse 40, it says, truly, as you did to the one of the least of these, my brothers, right? So we see another context where he's talking about the community of faith, specifically in this, in this parable. That's good, though. Yep. And it, if, if in the context, you think about it, it's the parable of the ten virgins is first where five were prepared and five weren't, and then the parable of talents is next, and then it's followed by this, the parable of the sheep and the goats in the context. So uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples. He was talking about the love that they have for one another, right? Um, and you think about it, that this is a trend that we see all throughout Scripture. Think about um, Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, the road to Damascus, right? God stops Paul in his track, and he says, you know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Was, was Paul persecuting the Lord? He was going around locking believers up and throwing them into prison, right? But God said, why are you persecuting me? It's the same way with us, right? God's wired us this way. If somebody attacks your family, your kids, something like that, it's personal, Right? And that's, that's what God's doing here. He said, Why, whatever you've done to my family, you've done to me. And the same way the other way. If someone blesses your kids or your family, that, you, you say, man, thank you. You know, you, you, you appreciate that. So God's wired us that same way. The other thing that we need to look at in this, um, in this parable, which is a little scary, is, it, is Jesus just talking about different levels of rewards in heaven here? Some that did some good stuff and they're going to get a lot of rewards and others that didn't do as much so maybe they don't get rewards? No. What's, what's the last sentence in there? And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So both of these groups called Jesus Lord. So what's the differentiator? When we're looking about what does it mean to be a disciple, what does it mean to be a Christian? Obviously, it's not just knowing, right? Okay, practice what is preached. Right? James says that you believe, good, even the demons believe, and they shudder, right? They're scared, but they believe. So belief alone is not sufficient. Right? Putting it into practice. Speaks a 
Okay? Exactly right. So actions speak louder than words, right? James, the half-brother of Jesus, put, what did he say about faith without deeds? Yeah, exactly right. It doesn't mean that, that Ephesians 8 and 9, that Paul was wrong, right? That you are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves. It's saying that genuine faith will always drive us towards deeds, right? It's saying that if we are not involved in the mission of God, then we probably don't have the heart of God. So it's a reflection. It's an indication. It's part of our new nature, right? 2 Corinthians 5 says that we are a new creation. And so if we don't find our heart going after the activities of God, what was important to Jesus, then we need to look and say, do we have the Spirit of God in our lives? It's, it's challenging. It's kind of tough, right? James also said in, in uh, 127, he said that religion that is pure and undefiled, right? We're trying to say, what does it mean to be a Christian? Before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So right here, James is saying, here's two things, right? You want to know? One, love those who God loves, which we see that all throughout Scripture. And then be serious about rooting out the sin in our life, right? Keeping one staying unstained from the world. It's not avoiding big sins and then we can always fall back on grace, right? In my personal uh, reading time, I've been going through um, the Sermon on the Mount. And remember, Jesus in in Matthew chapter 5 talks about if your eye (laughs) causes you to sin, he doesn't say just look away. He says, plug it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off better to go into heaven lame than it is to miss heaven totally. Jesus takes sin pretty seriously because it's at the heart of who God is. Not because he doesn't want you to enjoy something or to miss something out. He knows what's best for you. He created us. He knows eternally what's important, right? Sin will always cost you more than you wanted to pay. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. You know, it, it's, uh, It always looks good and it feels good for a season, but there's always consequences to sin that that he knows is not not good for us. And then the last part that, uh, I know I need to land this ship, Um, you know, we're here to to share the good news. Jesus could have chosen any way to reach the world. He chose to use fallible, sinful men to be his image bearers, right? To bring the gospel, the good news to those around us. Uh, Luke or sorry, rather, John 20, 21 says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So by definition, a disciple is also a missionary. Right? You look all throughout the references throughout Scripture. We're his hands and feet. We are the aroma of Christ. We are his ambassadors. We are called to be salt and light. He has chosen to use us to share the good news with the lost and dying world. And so, well, why did Jesus come? If you, if you had to answer that question, why did Jesus come to earth in the form of a man? How would you answer? Okay. Bear the sins of man. Yep. Seek and save the lost. <clears throat> That's where I would go in Scripture, Luke 19.10. That's what Jesus said. He said, uh, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So if that was Jesus' mission, 
and we are disciples or followers of Jesus. What's our mission? By default, right? So, all right, I got to land this plane. So, how do you know if you're a Christian? Right? That's that, that's kind of where I was driving to. So we t- kind of defined what a Christian. We went to the disciple. We looked and threw out some scriptures. And so the, where, we, where we drive back to is how do we know, right? Are you actively engaged uh, in God's mission in your life? Who are you serving? Who are you loving? Who are you sharing the good news with? Who are you discipling? Great Commission says that we are called, God sent us to go and make disciples. Right? Matthew 28. So that is our mission. Are we doing it? It's real easy to come to church to say that we're a Christian. We've got to take inventory of our lives. Do our lives mirror that of what Christ did? Do we emulate the one we call Savior and Lord? In our society, we are real quick to jump to the Savior part. God is my Savior. He saved me from my sins. I have eternal life. What about the Lord part? Eh, I, I kind of like to do things my way. I kind of got things that I like to do, and I have my priorities. But last time I looked, you can't separate those in Scripture. Do you have a supernatural unity and love for other believers? That's challenging. Right? But it's supposed to be the biggest testimony we have to the world. So we, we can do inventory. We can take stock. We can look at our calendars. We can look at our, our relationships in our lives. We can look at our bank accounts. You can look at whatever you want to do. Where are we spending our time? What are we, what's our affections? What do our minds dwell on? What's in, what are the priorities in our life? And does that look anything like what Jesus did? You know, the fear is that the way we define Christianity is different than what, how Jesus defines it. But only one vote counts. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what Jesus thinks. So as we conclude, here's my challenge. It's not, it's not to beat you up. It's not. It, but it is a challenge for all of us to take stock, right? Are we truly following, emulating, and living for the one that we claim as Lord and Savior. The good news is Jesus' grace is sufficient for all our sins. So if you haven't been, you can start now. Right? It's not too late. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Right? We're supposed to test ourselves. Or do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail to meet the test. That's part of what we need to do, guys, is just take stock. Are we following Jesus? Are we living for Jesus? Do we look like what a disciple looks like in Scripture? And so here's my challenge to you guys. Over the next few weeks, spend time in the New Testament seeing what, what did Jesus do? What did, who did he prioritize? What instructions did he give to his disciples? Right? And as you do that, say, now, what does that look like in my life? Because that's what we should be doing, is reflecting the one that we claim as Lord and Savior, the one that we said that we're a follower of Christ. And if so, our lives should be little Christ, as you said. We, we need to be reflecting the same love and the same priorities as Jesus had while he was here. All right? Good discussion this morning. I appreciate it. Um, it, it this was... a. It was kind of fun to throw together, and it was equally challenging to me as I take stock in my own life and say, man, there's a lot of areas that I fall short.
But that's part of that sanctification process, that as we grow in our relationship with Christ, we are growing in the image of Christ as well and reflecting his glory as well. So uh, let me pray and then we'll, we'll break out of here. Father, we love you. Thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for your grace. So we know that we fall so short of, of who you are and who you created us to be, Lord. And it's easy to get distracted with uh, all the things of the world. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to mold us into your image. We are thankful that you are always faithful, uh, even when we're not. And so, Lord, we just pray that uh, as a body believers, that we would be about what's important to you, Lord, that we would love each other uh, in such a supernatural way and have this unity that uh, is a great witness to the world, that we would make it a priority to look for opportunities to share the good news of the gospel with those that you've put us into contact with, Lord, that in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, uh, wherever we are, is wherever we have opportunity, Lord, that you have called us to be your image bearers. Lord, that we would manifest the fruit of the Spirit, that we would seek to love, we would seek to have that joy, we would be able to encourage one another, Lord, and that most of all, that we would pursue you, we would press into you uh, and love you first and foremost, above and beyond everything else, Lord. Seek first the kingdom. Lord, thankful for these guys and these men as we link arms uh, spiritually, Lord, and, and sharpen one another. And just pray that you would continue to refine us uh, into your image as we go throughout this week and bring Bible verses to mind and let us be uh, just cognizant of, of the image that we reflect to all those that we come into contact with. Father, it's in your holy son's name we pray. Amen.